launching Grow. Grow is a framework for our discipleship, which helps us live in the story of God and to develop as disciples of Jesus. Grow is a series of daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly habits, which act as a trellis for our lives, helping us to grow in Christ-likeness and into the people that God has called us to be. Each group of habits focuses on a different aspect of our discipleship. Our daily habits focus on our discipleship and our relationship with God through the Bible and prayer. Our weekly habits focus on our engagement with the church community. The monthly habits are devoted to helping each of us to develop deep and honest relationships through our new groups called Tables. The yearly habits are about stopping to reflect and review our journey with Jesus. The habits in Grow are provocative, but they're not prescriptive. This isn't a one-size-fits-all or cookie-cutter approach to discipleship. Instead, we want Grow to be an invitation to think creatively about how we can weave these kinds of habits into our daily lives and consider them in the light of our age and stage and our learning styles. You can get involved by downloading a copy of your Grow Guide at bay.church grow or pick up a copy in church. That's what that's a big focus of ours. But when you're such an outward focused church, a natural question that comes is, well, when I'm in the church, then when I find that place of belonging, when I find that space, how do I grow? How do I grow in my faith? And for those of you who are like really mature uh, in faith and have been, have, been, have been a Christian for maybe a long time, it's like, well, how, where's my place in Bay Church? How do I grow? How do I develop my faith and develop as a disciple of Jesus? Well, this is our answer to it. Grow is just that. Grow is a framework for our discipleship to help us live in the story of God and to develop as disciples of Jesus. And Grow has been designed to help us do these two things. And this initial teaching series that we're going to do now, these series of talks that we're going to do, are going to sort of um, give us the framework, give us the understanding that's gone behind all the thinking in Grow. The language and the structure of Grow now is going to underpin everything that we talk about from the stage when we do talks from, uh, from, from the stage here at Bay Church. So I'm really excited. It feels like a, a, quite a, a big moment in the life of the church where we say, this is what we're about. This is how we grow in our faith. And we would love you to join, us with, uh, join in with us. So we've got um, the Grow Guides there and a few other resources. There's lots of resources online if you want to head to bay.church forward slash grow. We'd love you to take part and join in. And just to say, some people, um, when we've been teaching this and when we've been telling people this is coming, this is what we're, we're going to be doing, um, they said, oh, is this from like, we're, we're part of a network of churches called HTB. And it's like, oh, is this like an HTB thing? And they're sort of like rolling it out. No, this is like, this is specific. This is bespoke to Bay Church. This is our thing. This is ours. And we're going to take it. We're going to, I, and I really hope that we are going to grow and we're really going to um, develop in our faith together as we do this. But why grow? Well, our individual and our corporate transformation is at the heart of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. 
Paul in 2 Corinthians says that you and I, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. As a result of this ongoing transformation then, we begin to reflect more of God's character, more love, more joy, more peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God's desire is to reshape us and help us to grow in his likeness. So we are all growing. One way or another, you and I are growing. I remember when Bez, my, our oldest son, was three years old, and he once turned to a friend of ours, and he just said to them, hey, do you know what? I'm growing every day. <laughs> and we're like, that's true. Actually, bless him. He, he was, and he is growing up every day. There's no question about it. Every day, he's learning something new. Every day, he's growing physically. He's growing mentally. So the question for Fiona and I about our parenting and about Bez is not really like, is he growing? That's not the question. The question actually that we ask is, well, who is he growing up to be? Is he growing in the right direction? How is he growing? And for us, it's just as true. The question isn't whether or not we are growing, but it's more, well, which direction are we growing in? Is it the direction that we'd hoped for for our lives? Is it the direction that we believe God has called us or, or wants for us. And so this morning, I want to focus very, uh, really on the first key element of grow, and that is what we're calling the trellis, the trellis. Grow, as we said, is a framework. The framework is a structure that we can all, that we can all bring our individual um, preferences and quirks to to make it work for us. We're all growing and all changing all the time, but we need something to guide that growth. There are two books that have really helped form and shape the, uh, the content of Grow. Those first two books, they're by the same person, uh, Justin Whitmore Early. And this book particularly, on the, the, it's called The Common Rule. That's more of like a personal sort of habits, uh, habits of purpose for an age of distraction. And then you've got his other book here, Habits of the Household, which is about forming habits uh, within the family. If you've got young family or teenage kids, it's helping you think of those there. That's, this is, uh, you know, grab yourself a copy of this if you want to from wherever they sell books. Um, do grab hold of that. These, these have been really influential in the build, in the um, makeup of Grow. But also the two books that have really um, inspired just specifically my talk here this morning are these two here. James Clear, uh, Atomic Habits, a great book, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. And then this other book here from a pastor in America, one of my favorite pastors, Craig Rochelle and his book, Divine Direction. Just to give you a taste, just to give you an um, example there, if you then buy this book and you think, well, Matt just ripped off the whole the whole book there. I have, I have, but I, I did it so you don't have to, you know, just to keep you the, that's exactly what I've done. But Justin Whitmore, in his book, The Common Rule, he uses the illustration of a trellis to describe what habits can do to help our growth in our Christian life. He describes how his mum once planted a Carolina, a Carolina jasmine plant in the garden. Anyone know what that plant is? I had to Google it um, to, to see what it is. They're, they're climbing plants. They're plants that climb. And they need a structure to guide the growth. Without the structure, they just sprawl out all over the place. And they can actually damage other plants. 
and they don't actually thrive themselves either. So his mum planted it against a wall with a trellis. I think we've got an example coming up on the screen. The trellis enabled the plant to grow in a healthy and beautiful way, to the beautiful plant that it needs to be, rather than a complete mess that's all over the place. And this is the understanding that the trellis is the framework of habits that we can try and cultivate in our lives to help us grow in the right direction. Because we are growing. We're growing whether we like it or not. But are we growing in the right direction? We believe that this, this stuff here, this growth, is, is going to be the trellis that's going to help guide us in the right direction. Our lives trellises are the small habits that we have every single day. The early church fathers and the early monks in the very early uh, century, um, they had a thing called a rule of life, a rule of life. The Latin root word for the word rule is regula, which literally means regular or rhythm. You think, well, rule of life, that sounds quite restrictive. That sounds quite demanding. It doesn't sound very fun, does it? A rule of life. But here's how a rule of life was understood with that root word. A rhythm, a rhythm that supports and helps us as we try to live a Christian life. So it's not a set of rules to live by, but a set of rhythms to live within. Rhythms that lead to growth. So why do I think habits, why do we think habits are so important? Well, the pastor who wrote that book I shared just a moment ago, Craig Rochelle, he says this. He says, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. By success, we mean whether something worked or it didn't, whether it's working or, or it doesn't, whether that's finance, whether that's fitness, whether that's food, whether that's our success in our friendships and our relationships, and then I would suggest our faith as well. It's, I found it's those who have somehow secured a level of consistency in their practices or a level of consistency in their approach to life that they just seem far more grounded, far more successful, more, well, okay, take me for an example. I'm going to, here we go, I'm going to get, it's, it's going to be both a boast and a self-deprecating example. So my, my fitness is massively improving because I'm now consistently running six days a week and I have done for the last six months. I'm not losing any weight though because I'm still consistently eating those chili heatwave bag of Doritos <laughs> and those dairy milk chocolate buttons <laughs> all the time. I'm consistent in two areas and they're leading to very consistent results. Sean Covey says that our habits will make or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. I'll say that again. It's going to come up on the screen. Our habits will make or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. It was George Orwell reportedly once said, at, he said, at 50, everyone has the face they deserve. Because we are, we are in part the product of our habits and our choices. 
And so if it's okay, I want to get really, really practical. This is probably going to be the most practical talk you've ever heard me give here at Bay Church. But I want to get really practical because why is it so hard to stick at habits? Why is it so hard to sometimes even start new, positive, good, life-giving habits? Well, here's the first thing. We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. When you think about growth, think about growth. We all have similar goals. Those similar goals will be about improving. Those goals will be, I want to get better. We want to grow in influence. We want to grow in our impact. We we want to make these these changes that bring about positive and life-impacting change. That's what we want. We want to grow. We want to be better. No, I bet none of you started the term this year saying, you know, this this term, I'm going to get horrendously in debt. I'm just going to just really not think about how I spend my money. Or some of you think, oh, this is the year that I'm going to get diabetes. I'm just going to eat so much, so much bad food. That's what I'm going to go for. We don't, we don't have those goals. We all have very similar goals. Every Premier League team starts the season and enters every game with the same goal in mind, winning. They want to win, but not every team wins. James Clear, in that book, Atomic Habits, he says, he says this, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. Winners and losers have the same goals, but goals don't determine success. Systems do. Systems do. Not every football team's going to win the Premier League. Not every football team's going to win the game just because that's their goal. But it's the system that wins it for them. It's the Pep Guardiola system. It's the Mikel Arteta system. It's the Deserby system that leads to success, not the goal itself. Seagulls. And so, if you want to grow in your faith, and if you want to grow in your relationship with God, that's, an, that's, an, that's the best goal you could ever have, to grow in your faith and to grow in your relationship with God. But we need systems in place that are going to help us to do that. Systems that help build up our faith, that help us draw closer to God. Habits that help us practice God's presence in our lives. Even practices that help us learn and hear and hear the voice of God. It might be that growing in your faith is hard because maybe you you feel distant from God. That's your current experience. Or maybe, maybe there's this overarching narrative that God's angry at you. And you're the recipient of all God's anger and wrath. It might be that faith is difficult because perhaps you feel isolated. Perhaps you feel alone. Perhaps you don't feel part of a community. It might be that faith is difficult because you just feel a little bit stuck. Maybe you don't feel like you have the drive or the motivation for anything. Well, in business terms, they would say, if you want to change the results you're getting... You need to change the systems that are creating those results. John Mark Comer, another one of my favorite authors and pastors, he said, your systems are perfectly designed to get you the results that you're getting. So it's not a goal issue. It's a system issue. It's a habit issue. It's a structure issue. In the same way with our faith, we need a better system to help us grow. So that's the first thing. We often focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. Secondly, we don't see progress fast enough. We don't see progress fast, fast enough. 
Growth takes time. But you and I, we want that immediate impact, don't we? We want to see immediate results from the things that we put into practice. We want it now. January the 10th in the UK has been identified as the peak failure day for New Year's resolutions. Peak failure on the 10th of Jan, 10 days in. And here's the reason. Here's the reason. What we do is this. We wrongly conclude that small, good decisions don't make that much of a difference. We wrongly conclude that small, good decisions don't make that much of a difference. Maybe, maybe you start drinking green tea. You drink green tea for a week, and at the end of the week, you haven't lost a stone. Maybe you've put on weight, and you just think, this green tea doesn't work. Or maybe, maybe you cut out buying a couple coffees in your day. And maybe that saves you about 15 pounds a week. And then at the end of the month, you're no longer 500 pounds in your overdraft. You're only 440 pounds in your overdraft. And you think this limiting life I've now dedicated myself to doesn't work. These small good decisions aren't making any difference. You might try something and you just don't see that result. And so you think, well, it's obviously not working. We wrongly conclude small good decisions don't make that much of a difference. But we do it the other way around too. And here's the danger. We wrongly conclude that small bad decisions don't make that much of a difference. I don't know how, but the last four houses that Fiona and I have lived in, maybe even more actually, the last four houses that we've lived in, we've always been a five-minute walk from a co-op. And here's my confession to you. Sometimes Fiona will send me up the road to get a few things. Maybe it's like milk or something for dinner or, or like whatever it is. Often it's snacks. And I'll walk there because I'm healthy. I'll walk there. But confession time, I'll always buy a bit of secret chocolate. And what I do with this secret chocolate is I eat it and finish it before I've arrived home. <laughs> Fiona doesn't know about it. It's secret chocolate. It's secret chocolate. It doesn't count. But do you know who it's not secret to? Not Jesus. My body. <laughs> not only will that small but bad habit over time be detriment to my health goals, but it has a financial implication too. It all adds up. So tally up those calories. Tally up the cost over a week or a month. I mean, I dread to think. I've been doing it for years. <laughs> We wrongly conclude that small bad decisions don't make that much of a difference, but they do. We don't see the immediate impact, but they do. Because our life is the sum total of the small decisions that we make. You rarely wreck and ruin your life in one big bad decision. It builds up over time. You rarely ruin your life in one big moment. The Christian author and speaker, uh, Danielle Strickland, she said, no one plans to become Darth Vader. And what she meant by this, what she meant by this is that a large majority of the room here, perhaps you grew up and you knew Darth Vader was evil. You knew he was bad because you grew up with the originals, episode four, five, and six. But then you have my generation. Uh, give me a shout if you're my generation. You have, you, then you have my generation who grew up with episodes one, two, and three sort of the, the backstory, the origin of Anakin Skywalker. So for you guys, 
you older folk here. <laughs> um, Darth, Darth Vader, Darth Vader's a bad guy. He's the bad guy. But for my generation, he's just the guy who made some bad decisions. But consistently, over time, made some bad decisions one after another. No one sets out to become Darth Vader. No one sets out to get into debt. No one sets out to have an affair. No one sets out to wrong someone. You rarely wreck your life in one big bad decision, but it builds up over time. It builds up. But the same is true the other end then as well, isn't it? Maybe you see someone and they are living the results that you're after. Social media is the worst place for this, isn't it? there There are people who are living the life that you want. It's so easy to imagine that they're in the position that they're in, either because of luck or just because they're naturally good. Some people that I've been getting to know in surprise, surprise, the running community here in the Bay. And there, there's some really fit people that I've been getting to know. And, and I'd love to be able to run the times that they run. I'd, and, and even though I know this stuff, even though I know this stuff, I, I begin to find that I, I think, oh, well, they, they can do that. They can run that fast or they can run that far because they're just naturally gifted. Or, you know, they just woke up one day and they ran a 16-minute 5K. That's, that's what they did. But I think that even though it's not, even, it's not been true of my own running, even in the last three months, I've seen huge progress in my running. On Monday, I ran a new personal best over 10 kilometers. And there it is. Um, sorry if this feels self-indulgent. But <laughs> I, ran, I ran a new 10K PB, 43.13. But, but three months ago, I ran my first 10K. There's me and Matt there. And I ran a 45-minute 10K in, in Exeter. And three months difference between these two, these two runs. And so this is, my, this is me on Strava. But this is, this is all the runs in between those two runs. That's all the work it took to get to that place. It's the things that no one sees that bring the results everyone wants. It's the things that no one sees that gets the results everyone wants. We only ever see the butterfly. I'm not saying I'm a butterfly. But we don't see the work that's done in the chrysalis. We don't see actually how much work it is for the butterfly to get out the chrysalis. Usain Bolt, he said, I trained four years to run nine seconds and people give up when they don't see results in two months. Bob Sorge, it's in the Grow Guide. Um, he, he's, he's, he said this in his book, The Secrets of the Secret Place. He said, our devotional life with God is more like the planting of a garden. When we arise from sowing into the secret place, we will not usually be able to point to immediate results or benefits. What we sow today will, rec- will require an entire season of growth before the results are manifest. And this is ancient wisdom as well, because Paul in Galatians said, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let's not become weary in doing good, in making good, life-changing decisions. We don't see progress fast enough because it takes time and it takes patience. So the first thing, we focus on what we don't, uh, we focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. And we don't see progress fast enough. And lastly, to bring it all to a close, our 
distorted identities sabotage our success. And this is the key point to land in on. What we think of ourselves plays a key role in our growth as people, particularly our faith, what we think about ourselves. Because an un, if you have an unhealthy identity about yourself, that then creates unhealthy habits. And then you do those unhealthy habits, and it just reinforces the un, unhealthy identity that you have. Because we can be our own worst critics, can't we? We can be our own worst critics. You think, oh, I, can, I could never start running. I'm not a sporty person. I can't lose the weight. I'm, I'm not a disciplined person. Maybe, let, maybe let's get a bit tougher. I can't save my marriage because I'm, I'm a mess. I'm not lovable. I'm a, I'm a failure. Maybe you think, God can't love me. God doesn't want to know me because I'm a bad person. Unhealthy identity can sabotage your success in this stuff because growth starts with the right kind of goal, not a practical goal or what I would call a do goal, what we do or what we want to achieve. But we need to stop with the do goals and start with who goals, who goals, which are about our identity, who we want to be, who we want to become, identity, because identity shapes actions. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do. So don't start with do, start with who. When you know who you are, you know how to behave. You know what to do. I'll always remember the incident. I think I've said it before, but I always remember the incident when I got into a row with someone at the lights who had cut me up in traffic, and we both put our windows down to start shouting at each other. And he was shouting some things at me Honestly, I can't repeat in this place today. I was shouting things back at him that I can't repeat in this place today. And then after we both drove our separate ways, I realized this whole time in this whole encounter, I was wearing my clerical collar. Because <laughs> I was on the way to church. I'm a vicar. <laughs> I should have behaved differently. Had I remembered who I was, I would have behaved differently. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do. You know what to do. Because identity shapes actions. A healthy identity about yourself will create positive habits. And then you do those positive habits and it reinforces the healthy identity. So I start by saying, I'm a I am a runner. So I run. And then well, I, I run. So I guess, I guess I'm a runner. And I keep running, I keep running, Forrest Gump. Craig Rochelle, in the book I highlighted earlier, he encourages us to create some who goals. To create the who do we want to become? Who are, we, who are we becoming? And then as you write those who goals out, you then start speaking them out loud. You start saying them about yourself as if it was already true. As if it was already true. And it might not be true the moment you say it. It might not be true right now, but maybe the goal is to be more self-controlled, disciplined when, when it comes to, I don't know, food or drink or, or something else. And then you say out loud, I am a disciplined person who has self-control. Then attribute it to the work of God as well because self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And so you say, I, I am a disciplined person because I have the Spirit of God living within me. 
then the next opportunity that someone offers you that thing that you're trying to have self-control over, the next time someone offers you that food, next time someone offers you that drink, the next time the opportunity late at night comes to watch something online, you go, but I, I know who I am. And who I am doesn't do that. Who God is making me to be doesn't do that sort of thing. Who are we becoming? And I, I get it. it. It's not that easy. <laughs> Reshaping and redeeming a distorted identity, it's, it takes a lot of time. With a lot of slip-ups. It doesn't work right in the moment. It, it's the patience that God gives us. Another fruit of the Spirit to continue the work that God is calling us to. But who are you becoming? And what are your who goals? I've been trying to name a few myself at the moment. And here's, here's, just, a, here's just four of my who goals at the moment. I am a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. I am someone who deeply loves and cares for my wife. I am a present and life-giving father. And I am an encourager and a raiser of leaders. That's just a few. And I've got a few more as well. And I say those things. And I think if you're, if you're stuck, if you're stuck ever trying to figure out what your who goals are, then do what I did in that starting point. Do what I did. Start at the most important place, which is Jesus Start with Jesus. What is your who goal? Can I encourage all of us to have the same starting who goal? And that is Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to become more like him. Because if I'm more like Jesus, then I'm more full of love. I'm more full of grace. I'm more full of truth. I reflect the love of God to the world. I'm full of compassion. I'm full of kindness. And I live at peace. And that's what we hope grow this framework for our discipleship is going to help us to do, to grow in the likeness of Jesus and become all that he has called us to be. Amen. Amen.